aboard. Great to have you with us for another edition of State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. My name is Jason Gotch. I'm joined, as always, on the program by my co-host, John Spataro, and it's a very special time of year for our show, the month of January in full swing. That means NFL playoffs. That's what is front and center in the world of sports. Last week, we had the wild card round of the National Football League playoffs. This week, we've got the divisional playoff round. We're going to have picks for you in all those four games that are coming up this weekend, two on Saturday and two on Sunday. But John and I always start our program off by recapping what we did the previous week. And John, it was a special week. Six games around the docket. John, why don't you let the listeners know how you did? Yeah, it certainly was a special weekend for a lot of different reasons, but uh, it was a tale of two days for me in terms of a betting perspective because after going 0-3 on Saturday, I bounced back with a 3-0 day on Sunday to go 3-3 for the wild card round of the playoffs. You don't see that very often, but uh, I've got some good things to, to pick from this uh, round of the playoffs. I feel pretty confident. Like I mentioned uh, many weeks before this, once you get to the NFL playoffs, The bookmakers really zero in on these limited amount of games, and they can really make it difficult for you to find some winners. So all in all, three and three, I'm not too disappointed, but let's talk about how I got there. First off, this one I put solely on myself. I did not do a good job shopping around this line. I got the total in the Indianapolis and Buffalo game at 52. That one got below 50 on some sites uh, to about 49 and a half. And if I would have gotten that number, I would have covered my over bet, but I didn't. And Although the game went to 51 points total, it was not enough for me to get a winner on the over bet of 52. So that is a very good example of the importance of shopping around, especially this time of year when the bookmakers are zeroed in and they're trying to make it difficult for you to win. Make sure you're always looking and waiting and trying to figure out where you think you can find the best edge across all the different sites. I did not do that this time, and it cost me the first game of the playoff slate. Uh, The rest of the day did not go much better. I was on the under in LA and Seattle. That was at 43. Uh, That game scored 50 points combined, which uh, may be contributed to by a a, a defensive touchdown that really screwed up the flow of that game. It was a really slow first half, and then they started scoring in bunches. And then once the Rams got a defensive touchdown, it really seemed like the under was out of reach. And it was. Also, shout out to Jared Goff coming in with a broken hand uh, that was just operated on and uh, uh, getting the job done there for the Rams. They're an interesting team to watch as we continue to go in deeper to the playoffs and then finally I knew what I was getting into this one on on Saturday I think Jason was shocked when I said that this was going to be my pick but I decided to lay a little bit of money on the Washington football team money line meaning they would have had to win outright against Tom Brady's Buccaneers and they did not they lost by eight points which all in all covered a spread bet if you were playing the spread maybe I should have done that instead but I think the Washington football team actually looked pretty good in that game you know they got a lot of flack for being a, a six-win team uh, coming out of the NFC East. But you know what? They hung uh, a pretty good game against Tom Brady and the Bucks and held their own on their home field. So that ends Saturday with an 0-3 record. I was down in the dumps. But then I was able to crawl back out of that hole on Sunday and go undefeated, starting with the Baltimore Ravens in Nashville against the Titans. Had them minus three. They won by a touchdown. Lamar Jackson and that team looks really good, uh, really continuing their momentum that they started at the end of the regular season. They are going to be dangerous to watch going forward. We'll talk a lot about the Bears and Saints, but this one was the easiest 
bet of the weekend, right? The Saints easily cover uh, their game against the Bears in New Orleans, although there was some trickery at the end of that game that I think we'll talk about soon uh, involving Jimmy Graham's touchdown and the, the lack of an extra point being applied to that score. Uh, but nonetheless, an easy one for me. I, as much as it hurt me as a Bears fan to bet against them, I saw that one coming a mile away. And then my best bet of the weekend, I really do pride myself on this one because if you remember what I said last week was that I thought there was no way that Ben Roethlis Burger and the Steelers were going to lose to the Browns. I thought it was such a sure bet that I felt that I needed to fade myself and go with the Browns and look at what happened. I did not expect the Browns to put up 48 points and essentially skunk their division rival in their first playoff game in 20 years. Did not see that one coming, but I did have a feeling that it felt too good to be true for these Steelers, and I was right. The Browns cover easy. I got them at plus six, and that rounds out an undefeated day. So that's the the dichotomy of sports betting, right? You go 0-3 on Saturday. You come back and go 3-0 and on Sunday. I'm going to look to get that record a little bit better um, as we head into the divisional round now because there's less games, and like I mentioned, when the bookmakers can zero in on just a few games, they make it very, very hard to find winners so hopefully i can get above 500 for the playoff record here this week and continue on with a positive betting record all the way to the super bowl some great work by john spataro getting back on track with an outstanding sunday and yeah i was thinking about you during that uh washington football team game john because i know you you, you went out there you you looked at that money line, and it almost went your way. I mean, if Taylor Heineke can make a few plays there in the fourth quarter and he doesn't get banged up, he really did a good job. But almost a great uh, a steal for John Spataro on Saturday night. If Heineke would not got banged up late in that game, who knows what the Washington football team would have been able to do. But an outstanding Sunday for John Spataro. For me, Jason Gotch here on State Lines, a 4-2 and two week to start the playoffs last week. And actually... Uh, one of my losers, uh, I'm going to echo what John said about shopping around for lines. I know it cost him. It also cost me, too, because I had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, minus the nine points at the Washington football team, and they won by eight, 31-23. So that could have easily been a winner if I had shopped around during the week to get some better value on the line. Did not do so. Gave you the Buccaneers minus the the nine points. So maybe some of you uh, did a little better work shopping and got that at eight. Who knows, maybe seven and a half. If you did, you pushed or you were a winner. I, Jason Gotch, a loser in that game. But uh, the other two games that day, I started off real well. I had the Colts plus the six and a half. And really, if you watch that game against the Buffalo Bills, Indianapolis could have easily won that football game. I, I still don't understand Frank Reich uh, late in the first half inside the 10-yard line going forward on fourth down. That wasn't a high-scoring football game. Uh, you want to keep the momentum away from the home team, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and they actually had some fans in Buffalo, I think 12,000 uh, fans at that game. So keep the, the sparse crowd out of the game. Kick that field goal late in the first half. They didn't do it. Uh, some other interesting decisions in that game by Frank Reich, and it was a, a close loss for the Indianapolis Colts in that game in Buffalo in a game they, again, easily could have won. Phillip Rivers had the ball late in that contest with a chance to go down the field and get his team in field goal range, but that they just weren't able to come up with the, the victory in that game or even the tie, 27-24. The Bills were winners, but we cover that one, uh, plus the 6.5 with the Colts. Also, the Rams making me look really good, plus 3.5. Uh, John mentioned 
that really you got to tip your cap to Jared Goff. Look, the guy just came off thumb surgery, and he was in there because John Wolford got knocked out of the game early. He didn't say he couldn't play. They didn't have to go to an emergency quarterback. Goff did the job as far as what he needed to do. The Rams' defense was really, really good against the Seahawks. In fact, so good that Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator for Seattle, Seattle started off so good this year offensively, they tailed off. But after that game, Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator of the Seahawks, was fired. And Cam Akers running all over that Seattle defense, 131 yards and a touchdown. So the Rams head to Green Bay this week to play the Packers in the first game of the divisional round. But we had the Rams plus of the three and a half. They won that game in Seattle 30 to 20. Also, again, I told you about the Tampa Bay loss. So two and one with the picks on Saturday. But then we go to Sunday. Did have the Ravens plus the three and a half. They win that one by seven, 20 to 13 down in Tennessee. Disappointing exit for a Titans team that made it to the AFC Championship game last year. But again, like Frank Reich, if you watch that game, I'm not exactly sure what Mike Rabel's doing in the fourth quarter. This is not 1985 when Mike Ditka would punt on fourth and one on the opponent's 35-yard line with that great Bears defense. Uh, They had it inside, I believe, the 40-yard line, the Titans, and they are right around the 40-yard line. And and on fourth and one, they didn't go for it. And it turns out the Ravens got the ball back, and the Ravens went on to win that game. you got to go for it in that situation in the modern National Football League. But thankfully, Mike Vrabel didn't because the Ravens ended up winning that game and making me, Jason Gotch, look good uh, with that bet plus three and a half. Also, like John said, Hate picking against the Bears, but it really was the only play, in my opinion, in John's as well. Uh, You laid the 10.5 points with the Saints. Final score, 21-9. Looked pretty close because uh, that garbage touchdown the Bears got Mitchell Trubisky to Jimmy Graham on the final play of the game. They didn't even go for the conversion. Made it 21-9. But again, Matt Nagy leaves a lot to be desired as a head coach. If you watch that game as well, game plan not good. Not rolling out Mitchell Trubisky enough. Not letting him use his legs. The Bears offense so stagnant. That was a very winnable game. If Wims catches that ball in the first half in the end zone and the Bears have a lead in the first half uh, where they can maybe even go to the locker room with the lead, that might have been a different game. The Saints were not on their game. The Bears were just bad, and I blame a lot of that on Matt Nagy's poor game plan. So the Bears go down 21-9, to Saints a cover. So won those two, but did lose. With the Steelers, had them minus 5.5. You know what happened in that game. Starting it off, the Browns getting a touchdown on the first play from scrimmage. The Steelers, Pouncey snaps the ball over Ben Roethlisberger's head. It goes into the end zone, and the Browns cover it up, and they go on to win that contest. But another ridiculous coaching decision to tell you about before we take a break. Uh, Mike Tomlin, I believe it was late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, had fourth down and short near midfield, and and, and they're getting all the momentum, Pittsburgh. They're, they're, they're within two scores at that point. You've got to go for it. He punts the ball. The Browns go down, I believe, four plays to get a touchdown to pull away and they never look back. I don't know what these coaches are doing in the modern NFL on fourth and short when they got the momentum deciding to punt. I don't know if they're channeling their inner 70s or 80s football or or Jackie Sherrill, who used to coach Mississippi State, who would punt on like fourth and one on the 30-yard line of the opponent. But you can't do that bad coaching decision by Tomlin. Maybe the worst coaching decision of the entire weekend. So, And there's a lot of them. Again, Frank Reich. Uh, my, uh, uh, Mike Vrabel, Matt Nagy's terrible game plan. But again, Tomlin, I have no idea what you're doing. Browns win it, lost that one, had the Steelers. So four and two week, looking to go again here uh, this week with another winning week. Jason Gotch and John Spataro here on State Lines. We'll take a quick timeout. 
John, when we come back, I want to get all your thoughts on the Chicago Bears because, hey, it's status quo up in Lake Forest, Illinois, and a lot of Bears fans are not happy. That and more right after this. on State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. John, we're going to pick the divisional round winners. We're going to go through every game in depth. Also, got a fun prop bet coming up for you regarding this weekend's divisional games. But I got to tell you, John, I, I think I don't think I speak out of the box here. We're not going to get the Twitter uh, hate or the hate mail to the station or or to our program if I, I admit that pretty much in a lot of ways in this country, we're very divided right now. But I, I think if you want a moment of national unity, you ask any person who listened to the Bears season wrap-up press conference on Wednesday with George McCaskey and Ted Phillips and Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, and I think no matter what your perspective is on anything else, you listen to that and you just say, how tone deaf are those four guys? How clueless is this organization? George McCaskey, he reminds me of Mr. Carlson from WKRP, that old great TV show, where he ran the radio station with his mom's money, and when the door closed, he wasn't running the station. He was playing with toy cards like a 12-year-old. And that's what George McCaskey reminds me of, telling us how great Ryan Pace did and Matt Nagy and Ted Phillips for a football team that went 8-8 eight and eight this year, lost a playoff game at the New Orleans Saints just a few days ago. And the Bears and, and Nagy and, and Pace and, and McCaskey and also even Ted Phillips, these guys to rave about the Bears finish this year. Oh, well, you know what? After that six-game losing streak, they went on a three-game winning streak. Well, I'll give them the win in Minnesota. They beat two teams as part of that three-game winning streak that had a combined record of 5-27. and And we've got the Bears organization just raving on how this team just stuck together and they won three in a row. Then they got smacked by the Packers. They didn't tell you that. They got smacked by the Saints. I don't know, John. Maybe talk me off the ledge here. But I, I think the Bears organization's in a world of hurt. Oh, it sure is. And you're absolutely right. You know, I was feeling a little masochistic, I guess, the other day when they had that press conference. And I wanted to listen to these four men, like you mentioned, try and talk their way out of what has just been a disappointing six years since they hired uh, Ryan Pace, a disappointing decade plus since they hired Ted Phillips. And certainly the Matt Nagy era has had its share of problems as well. And I've really tried, and you've probably heard me do it all year on this program, and even dating back to last year. I've tried so hard to figure out what box do you put the Bears in? Are they uh, just a really mediocre franchise all all the way around or are they a franchise that just needs a good coach and a quarterback to get back on track you know they've had this great defense they've had this heritage they're a cornerstone NFL franchise they should truly in the grand scheme of things be treated like the Yankees are in baseball they're one of the greatest sports franchises around when you look back at George Hallis and how the league was built around what he had done they've got one of the greatest rivalries in sports with the Bears and the Packers they've got a great state 
stadium with Soldier Field on the lakefront. They've got everything that you think you would want from a franchise except for winning. They are not a winning culture. They are absolutely just the most mediocre type of management that you can find uh, in sports. And, and really what that boils down to is their reluctancy to make big changes. We were talking about firing Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace after, what, week 10? Something like that. We were expecting them to make a move, or I shouldn't say expecting. We were it's trying to get them to make a move, or, or we would be happy if they would have made a move after that six-game losing streak. Then they back into the playoffs somehow, some way, put on a pathetic showing against the New Orleans Saints. I mean, really to the point where I think opposing teams are laughing at the Bears. And I don't mean that in some like metaphorical way. I think when they see what they have to go up against, be it Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy's offense, and even the defense at the end of the year, I mean, they, they have not been playing nearly as well as some people give them credit for. Uh, I think Cam Jordan on the Saints was even saying, you know, in some of his post-game comments that he didn't feel like he needed to really prepare to play against Mitch Trubisky. You just go out there, let them do whatever they do, let them, you know, fail on third down all game, let them turn over the ball on downs, you know, throw these two or three yard out passes, get nothing going down the field, cash your game check and move on to the next round of the playoffs. I said last week, this felt like it was the last game of the regular season for the Bears. It felt like a playoff game for the Saints. And that came absolutely true. I mean, I can't stress that enough how pathetic it was to watch that that team on the field. So now where do you go from here? I don't know. Maybe it would be a good place to start hiring somebody that could find a quarterback in some sort of way. Ryan Pace is not that guy. I don't I don't care what Phillips or I don't care what George McCaskey has to say about that. I do not believe that he has the ability to find a franchise-defining quarterback, which is what this team so sorely needs. Matt Nagy, I guess I could live with him coming back for the last year of his deal. It doesn't really make me excited. The Bears act like they're a small market team. They act like they can't and and don't have the resources to go find you know a, a, just a rebuild of this football operation. Look at what Denver has done with bringing in John Elway. Yes, he's had his ups and downs, and he's had trouble finding quarterbacks too. But when you bring in a, a you know kind of a galvanizing mind like that, look what happens. They got a Super Bowl out of it with Peyton Manning, and I would say all in all, with Vic Fangio, a coach that that Matt Nagy was chosen over. I think that you would say that the Broncos are in a better position today than the Bears are. I mean, look at you know, just any anything that happens in the NFL. It's about big moves. You got to make big moves to get yourself out of a rut, or else you're stuck in mediocrity for years and years on end. And that's firmly where the Bears are until they wake up from this dream that it's still 1985 and Bears fans around the world are so happy and it's the Super Bowl shuffle and it's Walter Payton and Ditka as the coach. Every day that goes by. The, the glimmer of that 1985 Super Bowl is wearing off and the Bears being this national, uh, you know, synonymous with defense, synonymous with tough football, tough place to play. That is starting to wear away every single day. And I don't think management realizes it. I think that they still believe that they are firmly one of the best national sports franchises around. And unfortunately, unless they get their act together and they keep, you know, losing in these embarrassing ways and have, you know, the national narrative be more about who they picked in the draft a couple years ago, Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. That's probably the biggest national story surrounding the Bears these days, not their product on the field. And I don't think anything will change until they commit to some massive overhauling, probably starting with Ted Phillips. He is not a football guy. He may be a decent businessman, and he's probably a great guy at the end of the day, but he is not fit to build a modern football operation. You need somebody that is. Maybe it'll be Theo Epstein. Maybe it'll be Peyton Manning. Maybe it'll be, I, I, I don't know. 
somebody from the Bears past, like uh, a Mike Singletary or something like that, who comes in and revolutionizes it. I don't say I'm not saying I have a guy picked ready to go today, but I know that nothing is going to change as long as this core being Phillips, Nagy and Pace are around. So at least for another year, we're, we're treated to the same old Bears probably eight and eight or worse next year, and the fans could not be less happy. Well, John Spataro, glad to give you that time to get it off your chest about the Chicago Bears team, a frustrated Bears fan and Bears gambler. And look, it's hard to argue with anything you said. To put it in perspective, uh, a buddy of mine, as the fourth quarter started, texted me and said, hey, I'm going to turn on the Nickelodeon broadcast for the fourth quarter. And I texted back, I'm in because the game's so boring. And the most exciting part of the game was my wife was watching the game with uh, my my young son and I were, were sitting there and watching the game. And he's he's a little guy. He's only a few months old, so he's... He, he doesn't know what's going on the screen. He likes watching football, though, because the colors are flashing and it's it's fast-moving stuff, doesn't know what's going on. But my wife grew up with Nickelodeon. She loved it. I mean, she loved the broadcast. I thought it was creative, too. But the reason I had to go there and I was in with my buddy to turn it over to that channel was because the game was so bad. And uh, you look at this organization, John, and you mentioned that th- they think of themselves as a premier organization and not only the NFL and sports. Well, the Bears in the last 25 years have made the playoffs a grand total of six times you're not a top flight organization around sports when you've made the playoffs six times in 25 years and you're not even a top flight organization in the NFL or even in your own division let's face it over the last 25 years the Packers have been a model franchise I don't have it in front of me but I'm sure the Vikings have been in the playoffs a lot more than that so you're better than the Lions but that's not saying much so the Bears organization leaves a lot to be desired quarterback next year who's that going to be it wouldn't surprise me at all if Mitchell Trubisky He's back on a reduced rate. He said after the Saints game that he would like to come back. He's not sure what's in the cards, but Nick Foles is not the answer. The Bears need a quarterback. They have a head coach that I have zero confidence in creating a game plan offensively to make his team successful and better than it should be. Matt Nagy to me, I always said Lovey Smith was an okay coach because I thought Lovey always got out of his players what he should have gotten, maybe slightly more. And I understood why the Bears made the change when they did, even though they went 10-6 and six in Lovey's last year. But Lovey Smith was a, a slightly above-average football coach. To me, Matt Nagy is a very below-average football coach. If you give him a lot of talent, he'll probably get you one notch below at least what you should be able to get. And if you don't give him very good talent, you're not getting much out of him. So if I was the Bears, in fact, what I would do, they'd never do it because this is way too outside the box. It makes too much sense. I would have fired Matt Nagy uh, back on Wednesday, and I would have hired Doug Peterson on Thursday. I think, I think Doug Peterson got a raw deal with the Eagles. He's three years removed from winning a Super Bowl. Carson Wentz had all kinds of injury issues. The idea that he put in that Nate, Nate Sudfeld late in, in the game instead of Jalen Hurts, and that helped them for a draft choice big deal he in a, in a miserable game anyway that didn't mean anything to his team he took out a Jalen Hurts and put in a, a quarterback you're never going to see again so what but I think Peterson's actually a pretty good coach and, and you think about what he did in that Super Bowl year Nick Foles after Carson Wentz got hurt he was playing MVP football Nick Foles comes in and, and he doesn't just lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl he leads them to a Super Bowl championship over the New England Patriots so I think Doug Peterson somebody's going to hire him and he's going to do just fine the Bears should do it they 
they won't do it because it makes too much sense. But if you're a Bears fan, being hopeful for next year, good luck to you. Look, John's a Bears fan. I, Jason, got him a Bears fan here on state lines when we're not betting these games. But I just don't have much hope until Matt Nagy's gone and Ryan Pace probably too. But really, Nagy to me, he just does not impress me as a head coach. Yeah, I, I got no faith in those guys either. Good luck to Bears fans. You need it. He is John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. This is State Lines. So when we come back, let's get to the games. A more positive segment coming up because the Bears are not involved in it. We're going to pick the Saturday and Sunday games in depth in the National Football League Divisional Round. We'll start with that right after this. State Lines. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. A big weekend in the National Football League. This is always one of my personal favorite weekends of the playoffs each and every year. I think the divisional round, historically, you see some great football games. It's our last week of the season to have four football games at least being played because next week, of course, we go to the championship round with two games, and then a couple weeks after that, they got the Super Bowl as always. So, John, let's start it off in a place they always refer to the frozen tundra at Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers finally have home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. Rodgers talked about this, how in recent years they'd lost so many NFC championship games on the road, how badly the Packers wanted home field advantage this year. Well, they've got it, and their first playoff game is the number one seed in the NFC. It kicks off at 3.35 p.m. Central Time on Saturday, the first game of Divisional Round Weekend. It's going to be nationally televised on Fox. It's the Packers and the Rams and we look at the line as we tape this show. The Packers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, the total is 45-and-a-half. You mentioned it earlier in the show, John, that uh, Jared Goff toughing it out after having that thumb surgery last week, helping lead the Rams to a victory over the Seahawks in Seattle. Uh, do the Rams have a pretty good shot here? It's going to be tough sledding again on the road, tough place to play at Lambeau, or you think this will be the Packers' day? I'll be honest, I think this might be the toughest game to pick all weekend, and it's kind of a classic rest versus rust kind of game, right? I mean, the Rams had to fight for their playoff lives to get in. They played a, a really deep uh, schedule of, of division games and then played a division opponent in the wild card round with the Seahawks, and they've just found ways to win. I mean, who would have thought that John Wolford would be starting a playoff game and that he would get injured and that a hurt Jared Goff would come in, and all that would combine to be 10 points better than Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. That just doesn't make much sense to me. So as weird as that sounds, it, it, it really feels like the Rams are just playing good ball. They're getting some legitimate MVP-level production out of Aaron Donald. I mean, everyone's known for a long time that he's one of the best defensive players and disruptors in the NFL, but he seems to have taken on a new level of responsibility and just willing that defense to become one of the stingiest in football right now. And then on the other side, the Packers just kind of cruised to an easy division win to an easy number one overall seed in the NFC. And now they're seven point or six and a half point favorites at home. This is exactly how you draw it up. If you're Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. you want to get to a point where you're hosting some playoff games in Lambeau. It's going to be 20 degrees or 10 degrees, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be no fans there, which I, I really have to consider being a loss to that home field advantage, but all in all, you couldn't draw up this season better for the Packers. So what do I think is going to happen? If I have to make a play on, 
this game, which I do because we're picking every single playoff run, I think I'm going to go with the Rams. And that doesn't feel natural to me. It feels kind of silly to bet uh, that all Aaron Rodgers has to do is beat John Wolford or hurt Jared Goff by a touchdown at home in the playoffs. But when I look at everything combined, I just think the Rams have something going on right now. I don't know if they have it to make it to the Super Bowl, but to beat a big division rival on the road like they did to the Seahawks in pretty convincing fashion, that game was close for a while, but 30 to 20 is nothing to scoff at at the end of the day. I think that Jared Goff or John Wolford or Cam Akers or whoever they decide to be the the bell cow on that offense come Saturday is going to find a way to keep that game within a touchdown. It's really tempting to take Rodgers in this one, but kind of what I did last week with fading myself when I thought the Steelers were going to blow out the the, uh, Browns, I think I'm going to do the same thing here. It feels like I should take the Packers, and I think I'm going to take the Rams because of that. So give me the Rams plus six and a half, plus seven, whatever they end up being. Uh, I'm going to watch this one. uh, pretty carefully because I think that there's some value in that line as well. All right, John Spataro is going to go ahead and take the Rams plus the six and a half in Green Bay against the Packers. And uh, some late-breaking news as we tape the program, John Wolford is out for this game, so Jared Goff will get the start. His backup of familiar name 10 NFL fans, Blake Bortles, the former Jaguars quarterback who – had a lot of chance, chances down in Jacksonville. Actually got the Jaguars into an AFC championship game a few years ago. They had a double-digit lead in that game at New England before the Patriots came back to win that contest. Terrible referee call in that game uh, on a on a fumble returned by Miles Jack in the fourth quarter that should have, stu- uh, should have stood. The Jaguars should have won that game, but it got blown dead. So Blake Bortles is a guy who's gotten a team in deep into the playoffs before in his career if he's got to play. But right now, it's going to be Jared Goff starting that game. And I think, to me, this game, John, it comes down to this. How good can the Rams' defense be? Look, they're an excellent unit. They played well all season. You mentioned Aaron Donald's one of the outstanding players in the National Football League, maybe uh, the best player defensively in the NFL right now. But I I think that Rams' defense is going to have to step up big against the Packers' offense because they're going to have to limit a lot. We know that coming into this game normally, but I I just don't know how explosive that Rams' offense is going to be if Jared Goff's going to have to you know, throw the ball a lot in that contest. Cam Akers is going to have to run real well. If it gets to Blake Bortles, he has not played a lot of football at all in the last year plus. So uh, I I think the Rams offense is going to be very limited here. Their defense, I think they'll do a lot, but I'm not sure they're going to do enough. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Packers minus the 6.5. I'm going to stay away from the total 45.5. But I think Rodgers and company wins this game by at least a touchdown. And again, if you're shopping around for lines, try and get this one at 6.5 or, or below if you're betting Green Bay. If it gets up to 7, I could easily see the Rams staying within a touchdown. If it gets up to 7.5, you're in a dangerous territory because that's one where I could see the Rams actually losing this game by 7. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think the Packers are going to win by more than six and a half. So Jason Gotch penciled in for the Packers minus six and a half against the LA Rams. This is State Lines. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. We're looking at the Saturday slate in the divisional round of the National Football League playoffs. And uh, here's another one for you, John, that I think a, a lot of people are going to be interested in. Uh, this is not one that, you know, you normally, you look at the wild card weekend and then you look at the divisional round. And as you go ahead and you, you check this one out, the Buffalo Bills are not normally a team 
that the NFL puts in prime time. But that's the case this time around. This is an NBC broadcast, 7.15 Central Time. The Buffalo Bills are hosting the Baltimore Ravens. The Bills are a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. Uh, the total's 49-and-a-half. The Bills not too impressive in that win over the Colts. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Indianapolis could have easily won that game. Frank Reich, some questionable coaching decisions, including passing on a field goal late in the first half, deep in Bill's territory. Bill's ended up winning that game over the Colts last week by three. Uh, the Ravens this time of year under John Harbaugh, normally a play-on team. I guess the question becomes the quarterbacks here. Do you trust Josh Allen more? Do you trust Lamar Jackson more? And there's a lot of other variables in the equation, too. Yeah, I hope there's no nonsense that, you know, diminishes this game if like a COVID, you know, case pops up and we don't get all of this offense uh, that we're expecting. Because I really think that this is what the NFL truly does want is two superstar quarterbacks. And yes, I did just call Josh Allen a superstar quarterback. Look at the way he's received in Buffalo. His team loves him. He's having an MVP type season. I think this is going to be his coming out season, whether or not he makes it very deep into these playoffs. He just seems like he really elevated himself and he's playing at a higher level. And then meanwhile, former MVP Lamar Jackson has kind of returned. I mean, that run that he had in the game last week against the Tennessee Titans to score that touchdown was one of the most highlightable plays that you'll ever see in the NFL. He was making guys miss. He absolutely accelerated in a way that you do not normally see on an NFL field where he's just blowing by guys. He is doing it all in these last four or five games for the Ravens. So I'm really excited about this one and really think it's going to be one of the better games of the weekend. As for who do I think is going to win, I think I'm just going to play it safe here and take the points. So I think I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens plus two and a half because I think this one's going to be tight. I think it's going to come down to the last possession, not unlike what you just said, Jason, uh, happened when they were playing the Indianapolis Colts. I think it's going to be a pretty tight game. I think both of these offenses can keep up with one another. And for that reason, I think I'd be silly to pass up on the points unless I felt really confident that the Bills were going to control this game wire to wire and win by a touchdown or more. I don't think I would really feel comfortable getting into the fourth quarter in a one score game with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense on the other side of the ball. So I'm going to take the points in this one. I I really, if I have to pick a winner, I think I'm I'm going to lean towards the Bills again. I think that they just have a little bit of a home field advantage and they're just winning some of these games that it seems like they shouldn't. But with two and a half, that does allow for some some trickery at the end where maybe it's a one-point game or it's decided by a field goal or a missed extra point or anything like that. There's enough in there for me to feel like I'd be silly to miss the points. So although it's going to be a close one and I think the Bills could end up winning, I think I'm going to have to go with the Ravens in this one plus two and a half. See where this line goes as well. If that one gets above or or around a field goal, I, I, I might think a little bit differently. But all in all, I, I think the Ravens is a smart pick in this one just because it's going to be a close game. Yeah, I look at this one, and this might be the toughest game of the weekend to pick. When I when I go through the four of these games, John, I, I'm going to take Buffalo. I don't feel real good about it. I look at them being at home. And Lamar Jackson at times in these type of games, if you got to rely on him throwing the football late, you're not sure what you're getting. Yeah, he's a great talent with a lot of upside, but he also at times throwing the football leaves something to be desired, does a great job with his legs. Uh, Josh Allen, yeah, he's a superstar in the NFL now as well. And I, I think Buffalo's defense, 
defense and being at home, they're going to be able to get this done. But I didn't like what I saw from the Bills, admittedly, in that first-round game against the Indianapolis Colts. It does scare me that Buffalo's the trendy pick. I mean, you look around and you look at people who pick the NFL as well and just fans when they're talking about what's going to happen for the Super Bowl. If you're not on the Chiefs, a lot of people are on the Buffalo Bills. They don't have a lot of experience this time of year. The Ravens, yeah, you look at them, and John Harbaugh's had that team through the wars over the years, even if a lot of guys on the roster maybe have not, you know, they weren't in that Super Bowl almost a decade ago still. The Ravens have a lot of postseason experience, a lot of battle tests against their own division, playing all those years against uh, teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, I'm going to take the Bills, though. It's just such a small line here. I'm going to say they're going to cover that two and a half again. Of all the games they're going to pick, this is the one I feel least comfortable picking in the divisional round. But we got to pick a side or a total. I'm going to stay away from that 49 and a half. That over is really tempting to me, but I'm going to stay away. I think it's teasing me to bet the over, so I don't want to go ahead and take that bait. I will, Jason Gotch, take the Buffalo Bills minus the two and a half points. We come back here on State Lines. We'll get into the Sunday NFL Divisional Playoff Games. Also, got a fun proposition bet to close the show. I want to get John's thoughts on that. We'll do all that coming up in our next segment right after this. Welcome back to State Lines. Great to have you aboard. It's time to jump right into the Sunday matchups, the divisional round of the National Football League playoffs from a gambler's perspective. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. John, uh, on CBS coming up on a Sunday, the early game is going to feature the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs. This kicks off at 2.05 Central time again. Who would have thought coming into the season, Kevin Stefanski's Cleveland Browns would be in the divisional round of the playoffs. They had that win over the Steelers, a place they never win, but they saved a victory in Pittsburgh for a great time in the playoffs last week. So the Browns at the defending Super Bowl champions, I don't see a lot of people giving the Browns much of a chance in this one. Uh, the Chiefs are minus 10. The total's 57 and a half. The Browns can score some points, though everything went right for them in Pittsburgh, and they were able to beat the Steelers last week. Uh, you think the Browns can do it? Remember, let, let, let's flash back for the listeners. Uh, last year in the divisional playoffs, the Houston Texans led in Kansas City 24 to nothing in the first half. By halftime, they trailed in that game. So no lead is safe when you're playing at Arrowhead. Andy Reid's team 14-2 and this season, obviously on a roll. Yeah, and, you know, again, it's, it's all coming back to what I said last week with the Browns looking like, you know, they had no chance against the Steelers, right? And now they look like they have no chance to win this game. But upon further review, there may be some thoughts there because – the Browns did not have a full week of practice last week because of some COVID issues leading up to that game. And they didn't even have their head coach in Kevin Stefanski because he had tested positive for the virus. So now when you're thinking, wow, well, look what the Browns did against the Steelers. You know, a very tried and true, successful franchise in the postseason. Great quarterback with Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin. Look what they did against that team. They're going up against yet another accomplished quarterback and head coach duo in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But they're going to practice 
this week, and they're going to have their head coach back. That, to me, screams like there would be some value in a 10-point spread for a team that's coming off a big, really, you know, era-defining win for the Browns. They haven't won a playoff game. They hadn't been in a playoff game in 20 years, and now suddenly they're beating the Steelers, uh, you know, and under the bright lights of a Sunday night football game. So for this one... I think I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs, and here's why. I've been talking all year long about how the Chiefs just seem to be on a, a, a absolute bullet to the to the Super Bowl again. I mean, they just seem like they're they're tuned in. They only lost two games of the regular season. Everyone knows that it's pretty well known in the NFL that you don't bet against Andy Reid coming off of a bye. Well just so happens that he had a buy in the first week of the playoffs here and all of that. And, and what you mentioned, Jason, just the, the recent memory of being a, a better against the chiefs last year, where you're holding the ticket for the Texans thinking you're going to, you know, run away with maybe a big money line bet because they're up 24 to nothing. And just like that, it evaporates and the chiefs don't miss a beat and go on and win the super bowl. I think that as much as I would love to see the Browns continue this run that they're on, they're really up for a, a team that is is not the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers had a great start to their season, and then they started losing some games, and they really started to show some cracks late. Uh, they held on for the division title and obviously getting the home game last week, but they are not the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion. I think I have to, have to swallow my pride on this one and take the Chiefs just because I will feel so silly if what happened last year happens again where you see them just roar back and put a team away in the second half like they're known to do. So as much as I, I like the Browns being a story and really do enjoy Baker Mayfield and some of the pieces that they have in Cleveland. It's just a, a not in my best interest, I believe, to bet against Patrick Mahomes in this spot. Maybe down the road I'll find a, a reason to, but until he proves me otherwise, he hasn't been covering many games lately, but it, the playoffs are a different story. Give me, give me the Chiefs. Give me Mahomes. Uh, I, I think there's no way that they don't cover. Yeah, I, I can't argue with anything you said there, John. I mean, this one's easy for me. I Look, I think Cleveland's a classic case of you, you, they'll never admit this, and I don't even know if they really realize it right now, but this is a classic case of a team that has had about as good a season as you could have possibly hoped for even better. I know they're not going to win the Super Bowl, but the fact that the Browns were one of the worst franchises in sports coming into the 2020 season, they made the playoffs. They ended an 18-year drought getting to the postseason only for the second time since the rebirth of that franchise in the late 90s. After in the mid-90s, they moved it to Baltimore and became the Baltimore Ravens. So the Browns in the playoffs for the first time in basically a generation. They beat their arch rival in a nationally televised playoff game last Sunday night. And now you got to go play, I think, the best team in the National Football League. And I think this is where they meet their end. And I don't think it's going to be a pretty game for the Cleveland Browns. I could see this one being 38 10, 42 to 20, 35-7. Uh, so I'm all over the Chiefs here. Give me the Chiefs minus the 10 points. Stay away from the total of 57.5, but I think this is one where the Chiefs are going to be able to name the score, and they're going to head to the AFC Championship game. Now, the final game we haven't covered, this one, probably the marquee matchup of the weekend. I mean, you think about the quarterbacks here, uh, possibly the last ever game in the NFL for Drew Brees. Rumors out there he's going to retire after this season, become a broadcaster for NBC. Tom Brady's retirement, everybody speculated on that for years. The way he's going, he's going to be playing when he can collect Social Security. That's how good he's been. Uh, well into his 40s now so the Buccaneers are at the Saints NFC South rivals Saints minus three here the totals 52 so the odds makers are basically saying hey this is an even game we'll give the Saints the usual minus three for being at home 
New Orleans 13-4 and coming off that. What I thought was a pretty ugly win over the Bears last week. Again, if the Bears had a head coach with any creativity on offense, they could easily won that game. Or even if Javon Wims catches that sure touchdown in the end zone in the first half that he went right through his hands, uh, the Bears might have won that game or it might have even been closer. And the Buccaneers, of course, last week winning at the Washington football team. Who gets the Rams or the Packers in the next round, John? Is it the Saints or the Buccaneers? Well, it's really been an interesting season for both of these teams. I mean, the Saints were without Drew Brees for a while, starting Taysom Hill, starting James Winston. Really didn't look like themselves all season long. They barely had Michael Thomas on the field. Alvin Kamara missed a game. Uh, with a COVID diagnosis. So there, there's just a lot going on in New Orleans. It has not been the, the typical uh, push-to-start offense that we've seen them uh, in the past. They've really had to work hard to get to where they are, and you're absolutely right. I was not blown away. As, as much as I wanted to bang my head against the wall for watching how the Bears were playing on Sunday, I was able to realize that the Saints were not necessarily blowing the Bears out either. They were struggling to move the ball at times. They really could have scored a lot more points in that game, if, if I'm being honest. I, I just didn't think that they played a, a really great game. And meanwhile, as much as I thought that the Washington football team had a chance against the Buccaneers, they really took care of business from beginning to end. Yeah, they only won by one score. But at the end of the day, I, I think you got to feel pretty good about way the way your offense looked and the way you played on defense, uh, you know, kind of containing uh, what would be a less than average uh, offense with Taylor Heineke uh, moving the ball, although he did, did a, a pretty decent job as well. So all those things considered, I kind of feel similar to this game as I do um you know about uh the the ravens and the bills i feel like this game is going to be pretty close and in that reason i think i'm going to have to go with the buccaneers because they're getting the points they took a while to get started with that offense i feel like they had a couple bumps early on in 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 the season but they've really smoothed things out for me and i think that they are the better team i think it's going to be a good matchup uh like you mentioned whoever goes on to face uh the winner of the rams and the packers it's just going to be a, a pretty good side of the nfc playoffs this year but for this one just can't pass up the points give me the buccaneers all right, John Spataro on the Buccaneers. I, Jason Gotch, will join him. It just seems like destiny were due for Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field for a berth in the Super Bowl. And what a matchup that would be in the NFC Championship game. And again, maybe the Saints played down to their competition last week, but something tells me that New Orleans isn't clicking on all cylinders right now like they'd like to be. And I think Tampa Bay finds a way to win this game. And even if they don't, I think they cover the three. I actually love them getting three here because I could see this being a field goal game if the Saints win it. You at least get your money back, and if it's a one- or two-point game, you win. So, yeah, I'm with John here. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. I think they win outright. I don't have the guts right now to bet them on the money line, but I'll take the three. If you want them on the money line, go ahead and it's plus 145 if you're going to bet the Bucs, minus 170. The Saints come back at you. So go ahead and give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus the three points. Now, John, before we get out of here, this is a fun proposition bet on the board for this weekend. And I want to get your thoughts on this one. Uh, let's give some advice to the listeners here. Highest scoring team of the divisional playoff weekend. Forget who their opponents are, just what team of the eight playing will have the highest point total when the weekend is done. The Chiefs are plus 200, the Saints are plus 350, the Packers are plus 400, uh, the Bills are plus 425, the Bucks are plus 800, uh, the Ravens are plus 800, the Browns are plus 1,500. If you really want to get gutsy, go take the Rams plus 3,030 to one. What do you think about this prop bet? 
Well, you got to kind of look at that as who you think is going to win the game, right? Because you can't score more points than everybody else if you lose your game. So if that's the case, it's a boring pick, but I think you got to go with the Chiefs. I mean, you look at where the over-unders are at for all these games. The uh, Cleveland-Kansas City game is substantially higher than the rest, five points higher than the, than the next closest, which is the Bucks and the Saints at 57 points. So it, it's really going to come down to who has the ability to score uh, a ton of points. I like the Saints uh, – excuse me. I like the Chiefs in that spot too because I think that the Browns have enough firepower to keep up with the Chiefs. It's not going to be a situation where they slow down and just start running the ball. So there could be some points scored well late into the second half that would mean that the, the uh, Chiefs have to keep running their full offense. So it's a boring pick, but it's, hey, it's plus 200. If you're going to bet on the uh, Chiefs, why not make it a kind of a double-down scenario and uh, throw a little extra on there to see them score, I don't know, 40 or, or 45 points, something like that. But all in all, fun bet. It, we're, we're getting dangerously close to Super Bowl prop season, which is one of my favorite times of year. So this is a great uh, appetizer for that, Jason. I appreciate you throwing it out. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to actually take a little bit of a chance on this one. I'm going to take the Buccaneers plus 800. John, you mentioned that the line in that game, as far as the total goes, the second highest total of the day is the Buccaneers and the Saints. I think Tom Brady and the Buccaneers could put up some points in that one, plus I like the 8-1 to one value. Wouldn't put a lot on in here, maybe 20, 25 bucks just for fun, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Buccaneers uh, at plus 800 to end the weekend with the most total points. Again, we always appreciate you joining us here on State Lines. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. Enjoy the winners, and we will chat next week for the championship round of the NFL playoffs. Have a great one, everybody. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.